Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community, and communities create social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So today's interview is with, like many of my guests, somebody who's a friend of mine. She lives in our community. Her name's Michelle Knoll. She's the executive director of the Oak Park Neighborhood Center. She's been working in this sector for about 15 years. And what she really is, fundamentally, at the end of the day, really all about is building community. You're going to learn about the nonprofit sector. You're going to hear about what it means to fundraise. But more importantly, you're going to hear about what it means to participate with others, to empower others, and frankly, to listen. Um, the Oak Park Neighborhood Center, they are in the richest place in Canada. They're in Oakville, North Oakville, and they talk a lot about what it means to to live at risk in a in one of the wealthiest communities in Canada. And believe me, there are reasons to believe that this is the way things are. They work within a one and a half kilometer radius of the building. They kind of do a little bit of everything. And you're going to hear uh, Michelle talk about that. I think you're going to enjoy the interview. She uh, She's a woman who focuses on people's strengths and she tries to stay away from the whole notion of deficit. Enjoy uh, the interview. I think you will. And uh, we will talk and see you very soon. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are here on a chilly day in uh, North Oakville with Michelle Knoll. Thanks for joining us today, Michelle. Thank you. We are at the Oak Park Neighborhood Center, um, something that has been in the works for about 15 years, started in 1999. It's gone through a few changes in the name and so on, but uh, we're going to talk to Michelle today about some pretty interesting things in the wealthiest community in Canada, which I want to get into. Uh, we're going to talk about things about being at risk and poverty and so on. So yeah, thanks again, uh, Michelle. So tell tell me a little bit about, um, you've lived in Oakville for quite a few years. Why are you doing the work you do? Or maybe tell us a little bit about the work that you do in the community. And then tell us why in this community, when it is in fact the wealthiest place in Canada, how can there, how are, how, how are people at risk in the wealthiest place in Canada? So we have 15,000 uh, people, give or take, uh, in Oakville who live in poverty. 
so still a, a, a force to be reckoned, uh, reckoned with that uh, we obviously need to provide some supports to, even though we are the wealthiest community in, in Canada. And, you know, I, I feel that if we can't solve some of the major issues of poverty in Oakville, being the wealthiest community, then we can't do it anywhere. So uh, it's a bit of a challenge uh, for me because I think, I think we have a lot to We have people who need support, but we also have a lot of people who have the capacity to give. Uh, and uh, connecting those two is a lot about uh, what we do, what we value at, at Oak Park Neighborhood Centre. But we're based out of Oak Park, and Oak Park uh, in Oakville is a new urbanism community. It's won awards all over the world. And because of the nature of how Oak Park was sold, uh, people tend, tended originally, when it was started to be built 20 years ago, to move here because they were interested in community. Their porches were in the front, we were sold to live, work, and play in your community. And, and so it just attracted people who really wanted to know their neighbors. And when people first started moving in, you could see that in the community. People had, you know, book clubs started and small business groups started and babysitting you know, groups to support, to support each other. So 15 years ago, um, a woman moved in, I guess a couple uh, in around September. And by November was quite concerned as a new development <clears throat> that she wasn't going to get to know her neighbors with the snow coming. She met some people in the park, local park. And so she decided to just uh, invite a few people she met in the park to her home. Hmm. And For like dinner, a bridge game? I'm... Yeah, just to hang out with babies. So it was baby-based, hmm. mostly oh, okay. kids in carriers. There were a few three, four-year-olds, a couple three, four-year-olds, I think, at the time. And... Um, we moved in around the same time she did across the road and when our youngest was born it was about eight months into the the group meeting so by that time just by word of mouth with no flyers delivered door to door or anything else we were at about 26 women wow and um so grania who was the founder of the group um asked the local sales center could we meet there once a week because it was too big for her home and the sales center agreed, so they're still selling homes out of there. So uh, one morning a week on a Thursday, which is which is where we're sitting, right where now. we ended up, which is uh, you know been an twelve amazing years story. later. Yeah, yeah, we'll get it. We'll get into this story. We're sitting, by the way, we're sitting on the second floor that used to be uh, an empty walk up space, attic basically. Thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so it's ex for people who know the whole story and were there at the beginning to be back in this building. Yeah, it's a great, it's such a it's, great metaphor, a great story, It's really right? cool. Yeah, a great symbol, but also a real success story, right? Yeah. So you went from, I mean, talk about, you went from, I mean, the definition of grassroots, really. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, across the road. I mean, there's so many great bits of business to that. And things have really changed, too, in the community as well. And about to change again, because there's been some new zoning basically that mm -hmm. has just shifted so a ton of construction is happening in this area as well so is that going to change how you uh engage as well it's think? changing us it's changing us now so what from the very beginning we were based on someone someone who lives in the community not a government funder not a, a um another funder said we have a need let's figure it out let's figure out within our own community and we continue to do that. We've been really, really lucky that we've had that uh, flexibility. So as the community changed, we've changed. Um, and 
you know, as we started with the largest concentration of, of children in Halton, uh, zero to six-year-olds, we had 4,000 children. Those children grew. 4,000 children at risk? 4,000 children 4, zero, aged zero to six in a oh, fairly concentrated area with no services. I see. And that's why this that's why the program this is why the the group was so successful. <laughs> we had a lot of people with kids that age. Right. With nothing to go to. And so within walking distance, you know all those things because we're such a dense community. We've mm-hmm, got mm-hmm. you know with a one within a one and a half kilometer radius, we're now at about 5,000 homes and we'll be at closer to 7,000 homes in the next year or two. So um those kids are youth now. So as they grew older, we were lucky. We got a little bit of funding to do an after-school program to support those kids. So as our community has changed, certainly our demographics are changing. The housing stock in North Oakville is not the mansions of South Oakville. Uh, there's smaller, smaller condos, stacked townhouses. And so we're finding uh, a lot more single moms, a lot more families who are close to the the line in terms of making making ends meet at the end of every month besides between paying housing costs and uh, providing for their their families what is it what does it mean to make ends meet in Oakville so I guess you know you know we we know each other you know the work I do a lot a lot of it is international but I'm doing a lot more work in Canada and globally as well and I'm always trying to get a sense for what poverty actually means and there's different distinctions there's relative there's extreme right there's mm-hmm. moderate poverty what does it mean to be, I, I mean, it's a variety of ways of answering that. What does it mean to be at risk in, in, in Oakville? What does it mean to be a poor person in this part of the world? You know, we just did a conference at Humber College on getting beyond economic indicators. So poverty is mm-hmm. not about just money, yeah. right? It's, it's got to be way more holistic than that, it seems to me. Well, um, so when I say there's a, a around 15,000 people living in poverty in Oakville, that's based on the low-income cutoff. So same cutoff that everybody else is using across the province. Um, we, um, up until August of this year, for instance, there was a woman living nearby out of her car with her five children. That happens here. Um, it's hard to find, right? Sometimes a teacher notices something suspicious or right. a principal. Right. So certainly there are people living out of their cars uh, in Oakville. Because above Dundas, is, we have a lot of farmland, we also have a transient population up there as the weather gets nice. So we have a number of individuals you know, who would be referred to as street people who are living in the barns up there. Hmm. You'll see them come down to you know access grocery stores and services and stuff where they can. Um, but it's a great place to live. It's the you know trip to the country for the it summer kind of, kind is, of thing, yeah, yeah, sure. uh, rather than the the cold street corner. Um, we also I, I found recently a real growing number of um, mainly men, but some women, um, middle aged with uh, debilitating mental health challenges. Mm. So we're seeing more rooming houses pop up. Now hmm. this is new for Oakville, and. Um, you know, it's we're all on a quick learning curve to figure out how do I support a gentleman who maybe doesn't smell great and may look a little scary to my moms who are in here with their two-year-olds and he's dying to just pinch their cheeks and chat with them. Sure, sure. Um, how, how do we serve both populations here and make sure that they know this is a welcoming, it's a welcoming, safe place for everybody in the neighborhood. So you've been here 15 years, executive director. Uh, it's changed name a couple of times. You work mostly with women and kids, uh, providing um, 
school lessons, tutoring, dance classes, YMCA. I mean, there's so many different yeah. levels you're connected to. And then, and, and just lately, some of our conversations have focused around how you've kind of shifted a little bit into this whole idea, this one and a half kilometer radius. So could you tell me a little bit about how things maybe have changed a bit in the last 15 sure. years and where you're seeing most of the, maybe the needs, but also how, how you're, you know, having more of an impact today? Uh, yeah, we, we really paused a couple of years ago because you just can't do everything, right? Yeah, you yeah, want exactly. When someone walks in which the is store and needs help, you want to help. Which is exactly why, I mean, as I teach at Humber College and students and so on and people you talk to and you say, you know, why isn't it this person motivated? And a lot of times it's like, well, where do I plug in? There's yeah. so much. How do I, how do I, it's overwhelming, right? You hear that a lot, right? It is. And, and realizing you can't do everything is a good place to start. So we still do everything. But <laughs> what we did was we which said is so we'll funny. only That's do your, it yeah, within a one and a half kilometers, which made ah. our strategic planner crazy, right? No, you can't do everything. We st we, we've, so we've narrowed what we do. We've really targeted in on, we spent a lot of time looking at why do we do what we do? Why is it important? Are we sure it's important? Do studies back up what we say? Sure. Yep. We want to know we're making a difference. And so we came down to the three words, support, connect, contribute. And everything we do has to include those things. We have to support people who need to be supported and support people who, are, who want to give back and find a place for them. Provide opportunities for contributing because that's, that's what we've lost, that sense of neighborhood where we, it's give and take. We, support, we help each other and we have chances to give back. And then... Um, did I say connect? Support, connect, contribute. And contribute. And the, and the connecting pieces, we want to make, you know, with a two-year-old, that's learning how to share. Um, with a youth, we're looking at going to the senior centers. We're, we're building, uh, doing tulips in, in uh, um, um, shelters, things like that. So we're trying to show people what being neighborhood is again. And so when we narrow it down to that support, connect, contribute, it makes it really easy for us. Um, to say, yeah, that's not a match for our center. And so we look at things. Someone comes in and says, I'm really missing my culture and I would like to run a Polish mums and tots drop-in program. Okay. Do you have two or three friends that feel the same way? It's kind of our check and balances. Is, mm -hmm. is this really a need? You do. Okay. Can you volunteer to run the program? You can, you can't. Do you have insurance? Don't you have insurance? We can pro provide your insurance. We can provide some staff support to help you with our experience, how you get a program off the ground and what works and what doesn't work. Um, do we have the space to provide you with? And that's really what we look at. So it's not, we're not increasing our overhead limit, you know, a limited increase in, let's say, hydro and gas and paper, to, hydro and gas, hydro and um, yeah, union gas and then our, our paper towels and stuff, but it's limited. We can mm -hmm. absorb that mm -hmm. based on the support from our local community and the ladies who can, can chip in a toonie at the, the front desk. So um, that's how we've said, what's our capacity? And using our volunteer base is a big part of that. Yeah. So we as a staff, as an ED, you know, um, lead staff, 
we're not the experts here. We're providing some support. We're providing some facilitation to allow the community to meet its own needs. Yeah, you're creating a space, really. I mean, literal space in a former Tribute Home Presentation Center, which is awesome. But you're also uh, creating <clears throat> creating that um, that metaphorical space, the intellectual space, the creative space for people to do what they feel needs to be done in the community. You're empowering your neighbors. It's you interesting know? that you said that because in the process of looking at, you know, when you go through strategic planning, what program, what do we think we should be doing, which programs still fit within that, which doesn't. And we kind of had this aha moment where we went, the building is the message, right? It doesn't matter what we do in here. The fact that we've provided a safe, welcoming place where mm -hmm. people gather. It's about the gathering. It doesn't mean yep. matter if it's a youth program or a program to help youth at risk or you know a children's program or homeschooling. It's the point that we've taught people how to connect with each other. So when you bring people together, they start to look at their similarities instead of their, their, their differences. And, and the other focus is that people start to look at their, their assets, the possibilities, the hope versus their deficits. We don't focus on That's deficits. Great. So when someone walks in this building, it's, it's not stigmatizing. Nobody goes, oh, they're coming in for the food bank or they're coming in for counseling because they're, they're struggling or the women's support group or they need food so they're using our, the community garden that we've set up. No, you could be coming in here for a dance class, for girl guides, for, for scouts, you name it. There's lots of stuff we do that supports people who are struggling, but there's also lots of things that we do that's just a normal thing to do a community. When's, when's the magic club starting here? That's what I want to know. I would, don't say things like that to me, you know that. <laughs> I'm, pull out your date book. That's right. Let's yeah, go. Let's get a, let's uh, have we a, just had a kid. My, of, my son did, Spencer did yeah. a magic, his first magic show last night at, at, at Cub Scouts local. It wasn't here? It wasn't here. They meet at a uh, Catholic school down, down the street. Yeah. yeah. You know what? We have a local kid, you probably know him. Uh, things outside the box, those are the kids I love, right? Yeah, we want yeah. to make sure those kids mm -hmm. feel welcome. Sometimes, you know, the community say those are the loser kids. We are happy to have all those crazy kids here. We love, um, you know, getting some fire under some mm -hmm. of those, those mm -hmm. great ideas they have. So we've got a local uh, young uh, preschool, not preschool, uh, primary school child who loves to DJ. Oh, that's great. Right? <laughs> we so brought funny. him in here. We said, you know what? Come run a program over the summer. That's Let's, hysterical. you know, people look at you as somebody who's different. Yeah. We want to celebrate your difference. That's this is true. amazing that you have. We had another, uh, he's uh, at Sheridan right now, um, struggled with some um, mental health and anxiety challenges. And he came to me and said, I want to start this improv drama program. Mm -hmm. And I want to include everybody. It's a great outlet for children, for kids struggling with some anxiety or he's running it every Saturday. We gave him the That's space. Amazing. He's under insurance, so good. Yeah. set him up with because we want checks and balances. We want to make sure we've got some consent forms from the parents sure. and emergency release, which he wasn't used to doing. So provided him with that backup. He's here every Saturday. I was at work. I had to come into work on Saturday. They were having a ball downstairs. Yeah, and cool. it's so great. To s All we had to do was provide the space and some help with, hey, you need insurance and you need proper forms. So if something happens, you know how to get a hold of a parent. That was it. Yeah, we can really do that. Neat. Yeah, that's cool. So you, you've got needs in the community. Um, you've got donor responsibilities, et cetera. I know a lot of what you've done has been funded by the Ontario Trillium Foundation, which is amazing, and some of the construction as well. Are you driven, would you say, by needs, or are you driven by funding? Or is it kind of a, you know, is there a, is there kind of a, um, I don't know, 
a, there's a there's clearly a relationship there, and anyone who who's in the nonprofit sector knows that. But it sounds to me like you're kind of driven by, you know, what's going on at the in the community. You know, to, to tie back into you still do everything just in a one and a half kilometer so radius. So we have a fantastic model, and I would be happy to sit down with anybody. Mm, uh, we've managed. The reason we can be so responsive when somebody uh, walks through the door with with an idea is we have very limited government funding. So we have government funding for our after-school program, which is very specific, three days a week, three hours, your three hours is scheduled. We really needed youth programming in this community. We now have the largest concentration of youth in Halton because they used to be zero to six. They they grew. Right. And so we said we're going to take that government funding because we can't fund it and we need something. It may not be entirely the model we want, right? It's that compromise. They've got some money. It's close to what we want to do. We've got to take it because it's the difference between having no options for some for, for kids after school. What we've done is we've, you know, I was at a workshop years ago and the individual said, look at what you have that somebody will pay for that will help fund your costs. And so it moves you away from that government reliance. So we, we have a preschool. We run half mornings a week that gives us a, a good chunk of money that goes directly into covering our costs for our free programs. And, but we step to our, our philosophy. So it's the most affordable preschool in Halton. You can sign up for one day if you want, which nobody else will do. So it makes it accessible to families who are, are um, watching their pennies. And we've got full subsidy for people who need it. So that money goes straight back into our programs. We're still accountable. You know, we still keep stats and, and doing all the things a funder would require because we watch that. If we're not getting the numbers or the people coming inside our doors don't reflect the community outside, we've got a problem. We've missed something. And so we keep close attention to that. We also rent the space. So we're renting the space for between $18 and $24 um, an hour. Most affordable rent in Halton which is great. So one day we might have, you know, the Conservative Riding Association in here and we've got the kids from Posse Project next door who are at-risk kids who talk about some pretty uh, out there topics, um, having coffee together mm -hmm. at their breaks. Mm -hmm. I love that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's neat. increased the synergies in the building and the overlaps we've seen are people saying, hey, I didn't know you did that. I Wow, we, we see it sounds like, You know, I was at the Center for Social Innovation in Toronto. They've got a new location up in the in the annex up uh, Bloor, Bloor Bathurst area. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful space. It's, you know, you got the old hardwood floors and the columns and so on, and it's wide open and people are sipping coffee and sitting on old couches and things. Yeah. You've got a little bit of that going on here. Uh, there's a socially innovative relational component to what you're doing here that's, frankly, pretty exciting. And I think... I think could change the way nonprofits kind of work in the future. I think the idea that you know you got your at-risk youth and your conservative groups having coffee together is pretty—it's amazing. It's pretty amazing. Where else is that going to yeah, happen? Yeah, it's not going to happen in to, Oakville. Come in on. Oakville, yeah, exactly. Not, there's nowhere so you're, else that you're, happens. You're creating you're creating community in a sense. So where does the volunteer base fit in? I mean, are you really dependent on them? Would you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think last year we had 170 volunteers who equaled uh, two full-time staff. So our staff are all part-time, we have nine staff, and we're not the experts. You know, we know some stuff, we're happy to sit down and talk to you, but you know more than we do about what your life is, what's going on in your life, and we're happy to come alongside you. We're also happy to connect 
you to other women the sure. same age, sure. you know, sure. kids the same age. Um, it's really about facilitating community. People don't invite people into their homes anymore. People are, they don't want people to see what their furniture is like or what they don't have or that, um, the world's changed drastically in that regard. And so this, you know, used to be you met a mom at a park, you said, hey, it's almost lunchtime, let's grab lunch together at my house. That just doesn't happen or it's very rare. And so this provides an opportunity to people to start to remember what neighborhood is and to get rid of the bloody cell phones. You know, there's, I, I'm big on, we want our center to feel very welcoming and homelike. And so we don't put signs that say no cell phones allowed. But if someone's sitting on their cell phone, staff are going to go and engage that person. Is it that you don't feel safe here? You don't feel comfortable? Let's introduce you to the mom down, you know, sitting two seats over from you who's got a three-year-old the same age. Let's find out what your interests are. Would you like to volunteer? What are you connected to? What can you give back? And start to engage them in, in the center and talking to people again. People don't know how to say hello. That, and I'm, we're seeing it with our kids in the after-school program, too. People don't know how to say, hi, how are you doing? They're, they feel safer hidden in their phone, right? So that's a big part um, of what we do. Again, it's this support, connect, contribute. It all goes back to that. When you break it down to you know, the studies that look at um, the breakdown of, of neighborhood, you look at the developmental assets from the Search Institute, everything comes down to those three words. And we, through the strategic plan process, we came up with this, um, I don't know if it's a, we'll call it a vision. And so it was, um, people belong, families are strong, neighbors care, everyone contributes. And one of our kids, actually Grania's oldest son, uh, was in, because now these kids who are our original kids are coming back to volunteer. Sure, yep. And so, uh, Kieran, uh, Declan came, Kieran, Kieran came in and he said, because we had it posted on the wall, he said, what's that? And I said, well, that's our new, you know, we're kind of looking at that as maybe a vision statement. He said, well, it doesn't rhyme. So one of our original kids from 15 years ago rewrote our mission statement. So it's people belong, families are strong, neighbors care, everyone shares. And I went, that's kind of Dr. Seuss. <laughs> you know, it yeah. kind of fits. It kind of fits for us. I like, yeah, I like yeah. where you're headed with that. So tell me about the building. I mean, I, I want to ask you about your own, you know, your own sort of history. And I mean, you sound to me like an entrepreneur, a social entrepreneur for sure. Um, so I'd love to talk about that. But I mean, just the way you've used this building is very entrepreneurial. It's been around, the building itself has been here since 98. Over 20 years. Over 20 years. So this is a former Tribute Home Presentation Center. Tribute was a big builder and still are. Mm -hmm. Are they still in the community? Not in Oakville. Not in Oakville anymore? No. No. That's okay. how we got the house. Right. Yeah. So they moved out of the community, built a lot of homes, a couple high rises, etc. How did this all come about? I mean, you got tell me about the square footage and how you funded it and so on. I think we're just over three thousand square feet now. I can't remember what it started with, twenty four. That's something like that. So tribute was getting ready to leave the community, and we had met here for years. Right. We had a. a they changed them. They were selling condos and they stuff. They just kind so, of gave you a room to yeah. sort of meet in, sort of? Was that No, we just met in a general big room. General but big then room. when they were getting ready to start selling the condos, it turned to glass tables and stuff. It wasn't suitable for us to meet anymore. We got a bit of funding and, and we're in a, um, a strip plaza for, I think, six or seven years. Okay. So we got the call. We're leaving. Do you want the building? 
I don't know, buying a building. We're a small agency. Even now, our budget's around 200000 a year, and 60000 of that is an in-out through the hydro and gas bills that we pay. So mm. we're really $140,000. Um, and we're serving you know, close to 600 families a year. So we went, I don't know, owning your own building. So first, we kind of put it out to the community. We don't have any money to buy this building. How do we do this? First, you know, structural engineer, this is a model home. Is it even plausible? And then, you know, we had a planner. Trillium provided us with, uh, um, I think, about 180000 I want to say, to do the renovations. This thing involved sidewalks, landscaping, zoning changes, hydro being brought under Quite the ground. Quite a bit of electrical work, I've heard. It was a lot of electrical work. Thank you, David, um, and your team. You, you know what? People just stepped forward, and I, there's so many stories around, around the building and the puzzle pieces that just naturally came together that, that made it happen. And you know what, I'm a Christian, so for me, it all goes back to the, it was just a perfectly orchestrated plan that no one person could have put together. It, looking back on it, um, it was honestly, never mind three steps forward, one step back. It was like 25 back, you know. <laughs> it, I, I don't know. There were so many days where we went, if this one piece doesn't come together, the whole project stops. And, you know, I don't know. How many electricians do we have in here? It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Always any kind of renovation. Guys, park. Gentleman's well, Walking Club yeah, down the yeah. street. Who knew there was a Gentleman's Club that walks to the pub every Thursday who committed their time through this whole process to, you know, ripping up baseboards and putting them back on and painting. And, you know, somebody knew some, we had, somebody needed to tile. We didn't have a tiler. Somebody knew somebody. And those things just kept happening. And what I realized, because we've had a number of agencies meet with me to say, we want to buy our own building. Of course, it's a nonprofit's dream. Your money is going straight into something you own. And... Um, what I realized in saying it to them is we had incredible community capacity that we, when we said, this is a dream, can we pull it off? Other people said, we're up, we're up for the challenge and we're going to pull in our friends because we believe in what you do and what, and the, and the possibilities mm -hmm. that we see in the building mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the need. And that's how it came together. And we had 180 from Trillium. I think we've, well, and then another 80 or so for the second floor. We've probably easy put, easily put 700000 into this building through donations, yeah, in kind. Volunteer hours, all of those um, kinds of things, yeah. So a big a non-negotiable for our building was it had to feel welcoming and home. We've always, 40% of the people we serve live below the poverty line. In Oakville, about 8% of the people um, in Oakville live below the poverty line. So we're getting numbers that no other agency is um, and then 60% of the people who we support weren't born in Canada so we wanted we felt we we did something right over at the plaza that people felt comfortable they felt at home they felt welcome it didn't feel lawyer's office institutional cold daycare kind not that daycares aren't can't be friendly but you know what and we think that's why we've done so well on our um, attracting people who don't typically go to a community center. So we wanted to make sure in taking over the building, it still had that home feeling. 
Well, it's it looks like a big home from outside anyway. It really does. The location is stellar. It really is crazy how the the you got that sort of the parkland around it, the trees. It's great. I, Spencer and I were on your ice rink this winter. I mean, it's it's. it's and that was crazy. a guy in the community who yeah. said, "Can I build an ice rink?" So we had him build it on the town property, just outside our boundaries. <laughs> just so in it case wasn't on our insurance, <laughs> That's which pretty was funny. great. Uh, but it was fantastic That's to see, you know, kids funny. come out and just set up the hockey nets yeah, up sure, front with their, sure. we had a mom, dad and two kids on the weekend, just set up the hockey nets to play because we're, because we're a new urban community. We have limited backyards. But so I was in my office a couple of weeks ago and Posse Project was here and they're an amazing group that meets here on Tuesdays and go out into the ravines over the summer and meet kids where they're at. So they're at their coffee break and I hear this conversation. So what is this place anyway? And one guy said, well, it's a community center. Another person said, well, it's not like any community center I've ever seen. And I'm thinking, I wish I could record this. Yeah, that's too bad. That's the kind of stuff you want on camera. somebody said, well, you know what? It just looked like a house. And I was really nervous because I thought, well, I'm not going to talk in somebody's personal home about my, you know, personal issues I'm going through as a kid. Sure. And then I walked through the front door and it felt like home. Like, this is no community center. And I went... Wow, this is, yeah, and you can't really go, hey, I'm listening in. Could we just, could we just can rewind? We, can we and can I that? Yeah. Um, but <laughs> that was, uh, you know, little stuff keeps you going, right? If you're yeah, in a totally, nonprofit, there's totally. stuff that brings that's, you down. Yeah, great story. But um, I thought, that's exactly what we want. So what, so how have you fostered this entrepreneurial side? I mean, it's, it's innovative. You're, I mean, talk about recycle and reuse, right? It's really quite marvelous. I mean, what would they have done with this space? You know, would they have tore it Four down? Four townhouses. Oh, that was the plan. Yeah, oh, okay. four townhouses. So the beauty of that is when we rezoned, we kept our residential zoning. So let's say we completely mess up and do something. You know, we spend all our money and we're bankrupt. We sell this property. It's worth $1.3 million. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we've got a mortgage of about 400000 We've paid off some of it. Uh, but we're, it's a good financial position to be in. And again, we had amazing financial planners drop from the sky and said, can I help you? Yeah, yeah. Things like, at the time, people were saying, you need a pro forma report. I don't know what a pro forma mm-hmm. report is. I'm meeting with this lady for coffee. I'm thinking I'm going to get her to help put our, our uh, deposits in the bank on the week, on uh, once a week. And she... I said, what I really need is this pro forma report. And she said, yeah, I know how to do that. Nice. Who are you? Where nice. did you yeah. come from, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we're in a good, the whole thing, like I said, it just, it couldn't have come together any better. And I think the big thing for us in terms of the innovation is we felt strongly uh, every room had to be multi-use. So we use folding tables and chairs um, downstairs, everything's folding table and chairs. It can be a boardroom. It can be a dance class. It can be the adventurers playing cards. Uh, it can be whatever it needs to be. Um, so we've got that flexibility. There's rooms aren't, this is the, you know, I don't know, this is the reading club room or everything's multi-use. And so we get a lot of use nine, nine to nine, all sorts of groups in the community use the building. Um, the second floor, we really felt we needed because of the large number of youth in our community, we felt we needed a safe place for them that needed to be comfortable. So the second floor, which we call the loft, it's got that, you know, it's got the IKEA furniture and, and lots of soft seating so people can lay back and feel comfortable to share share their it's stories and support really each nice. other. So yeah. and we rent out the space, you know, all 
this is my office we're sitting in, but anybody can rent this at sure, any time. Sure. I you know I can grab which a seat is very anywhere. center for social innovation in Toronto, and they they're doing nothing but growing. Yeah. And it's a vibrant community. There's a need and for I, it. There is a need out here for it. There really is for people like me. So change. I mean, it's, you know, having that opportunity to, to, to you know, sometimes you work from the dining room table or the kitchen table or yeah. the local Starbucks, which is where I find myself most yeah. of the time, and then divide my car into quadrants, you know, the to-do list that I need yeah. to do is on the passenger seat. Yeah. And things that need to be filed is on uh, Victoria's uh, chair in the mm-hmm. back and so mm-hmm. on. You know, you know that all too I well. <laughs> and here, you know what? <laughs> There's, there's sometimes a push to lock doors, right? Well, hmm. that's your office, lock the door. It's not my office. It's the community's office. It's whoever. Right. So sure, I have locked filing. I have a locked filing cabinet, and we've got a couple of those. But we wanna, we want people to feel that this is their space. They're welcome to use anything in the space as long as they put it back where they got it. And I, we, I've really bucked that. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I hopefully. Well, there's. Hopefully a, it sounds to me that. like there's a spirit of inclusion and and sharing and collaboration here that may not be found in a lot of other places. Maybe that's been, you know, your kind of key to success to some degree is trying to provide that embrace, right? That inc- that spirit of inclusion. Because we, been you know, great, the whole idea yeah. of not locking the door is a great kind of metaphor as mm-hmm. well, right? And and because uh, I think, uh, well, in the nonprofit community, as we both know, everybody's pretty protective. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my potential donor dollar, so I don't want you going mm-hmm. there, and so on and so on, right? And it's easy to get cynical about this stuff. Yeah. I mean, you've been around long enough to be pretty cynical, I would say, uh, about the nonprofit sector, um, and yeah. yet you guys seem to be continuing to break ground. You know what? I we're. Um... You know, we were the new kids on the block when we started meeting. I mean, people called us a duplication of service. Right. You can't continue to meet. Sure. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. You're a duplication of service. Uh, I don't think so. People are coming here. 3,000 kids are born in Elkville every year. Zero to three, that's, you know, 9,000 kids. Yeah. I have to do my yeah. math. Yeah, sure. There's no one agency that's serving 9,000 children. I think there's room. This concept, you know, agencies pit against each other you're yeah, a duplication of service so i'm sorry disturbing. people need different kinds of services different entry to services in different neighborhoods sounds like the nonprofit community could take a lesson or two from what you're doing here internally in this one and a half kilometer radius with the idea of serving your neighbors and hanging out with your neighbors and creating a space because i think it's got to change mm-hmm. in the book uh, forces for good i think uh, very american but there's i forget the writers right now leslie crutchfield is one of them look it up forces for good but six things that good nonprofits have to do and one of mm-hmm. those is collaboration. Mm-hmm. I talk about it all the time, Michelle, is you know, most nonprofits love to talk about collaboration, but they don't do it. It's the well. new catchword. I, I do it swear well. this week I've heard the word collaboration out of somebody's mouth. <laughs> Partnership. Ten times. Thank you, Tamarack. You got yeah. you got collaboration on the table. Nobody knows what the hell it means. Yeah, yeah. They're exactly all saying right. it. They're and I'm thinking they're all you don't have a clue what you're saying. Yeah. I went to the yeah. workshop at Tamarack on collaboration and it's now gonna be a now, leading thing we do. Now I'm gonna collaborate. Really? I'm ready for you. <laughs> yeah. Let me know when you're ready to yeah. collaborate. Well, you know, my brother read a book on leadership years ago, a few years ago, and, and gave me the synopsis and he said, You know, it's it's good and you should read it, but really it comes down to being a good leader is just being a good guy. <laughs> That was you his paraphrase. I'm I'm and, a big John McKnight gal, so uh, sure, people have come along since. I like some of their stuff. Some of their stuff I don't agree with, but it all comes down to, you know, when you bring people together, when you focus on people's assets, it's good. You yep. 
that's as good as it gets. Well, I love that comment you made earlier about you don't, I forget what the line was. I've got it written down here somewhere, but the whole idea of focusing on people's assets and empowerment is, uh, uh, right. We don't focus on deficits. That was the So line, that's right? all John it's McKnight. A, it's a big deal. And big you know, deal. when you, so I, I've had, I've had some great people in my life, uh, who kind of led me down that, that path. And I went to Humber for community work. I lived, my mom lived in Flemington Park, so very involved with the stuff there. My mom was a community worker in Flemington Park. Um, learned some stuff there and uh, went to Humber for community work. Had some amazing uh, instructors who really opened my mind. Got to do placements in Parkdale with mm. Parkdale Legal. That's an experience, mm -hmm. uh, incredible experience, working with the lawyers there around landlord and tenant rights. and. Um, some time at St. Christopher House and I ended up in Etobicoke uh, living there for a while and there's an amazing place in Etobicoke called Lamp Health mm -hmm. Services. Joe Leonard um, uh, was the ED there at the time. He's, he's uh, uh, since passed on but uh, you know he introduced me to a lot of stuff including John McKnight and um, then I ended up working at Community Living, Community Living and Christian Horizons and the parents hired me there at a place called Ackle, which is uh, at the time was kind of cutting edge, engaging people with developmental disabilities in the community. And worked with about 24 individuals there. But what was unique was that the parents hired me. Mm. The agencies paid me, but the sure. parents hired me. Right. And the parents hired a mentor for me once a week. Amazing opportunity. And this lady met with me. Her first name was Linda. I can't remember her last name. And Linda met with me for coffee once a week, and she'd give me an article, sometimes John McKnight, sometimes uh, individuals with a developmental disability who were writing some profound things about where they'd found themselves and how they'd been treated. And we'd chat over coffee. Um, it was just an amazing opportunity. You know, it's, we don't do that enough, where, um, you know, established EDs meet with new EDs or, or you know, look at succession plans and and and, uh, and share. pass on some stuff. And, and oh, hey, imagine that—they collaborate. That's essentially what they're, they're creating community. They're, it, yeah. they're they're in conversation, right? I mean, it, wow, what a great idea! So I've just had some great opportunities and had some amazing mentors, and so a lot of what happens here—it's based on the stuff I learned at mm. Lamp. Uh, mm, with some nice. amazing individuals. Joe Leonard's just one of them. Russ, Russ Ford's, Russ there, Ford's now. there now. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the, the things I believe Also in an earlier that... podcast, by the way. Oh, good, Ford, good. Yes. Yeah. Um, his wife, Sheila, would be an amazing podcast as well, up oh, in Acton. Yeah, I'll just okay. I'll put oh, it, thank you. Uh, That's shout good. out for Sheila. And um, a lot of my beliefs, you know, came out of that. I mean, you change and grow as you of go course. older yep, and you're introduced yep, yep. to things. And Oakville's a whole different... Uh, you know, comparing Flemington Park yeah, sure, to Oakville, sure. you know, but there's a lot of similarities and I've been really lucky recently connecting with the um, Toronto Neighborhood uh, Association Networks. So they all do what we do. Sure. We do here. Each one's different because it's based on the neighborhood but, that surrounds but them, there's right? there's crossover on some, on some level. For sure. Lots of crossover yeah. and great. You know, I go to a conference once a week, once a month, sorry, once a year with them. And then there's also emails that go, are you aware of this? This is a new sure. trend. So it's sure. great to be talking yeah. to other like-minded yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and they've been generous, even though it's the GTA group. I, I kind of snuck in there. Um, 
but that's a great movement, you know, that goes back to the settlement houses in Toronto and that are the basis of the neighborhood centers now. It's got a very rich Canadian history. Um, and we're Good. trying to do it again. And places like London, Waterloo, Kitchener, Ottawa, Toronto, they've basically divided up their community into neighborhood centers where the community can come in and talk about issues in those communities. They've done amazing things like you'll hear stories about parks with um, uh, ovens, right? Where the mm. community gets together mm -hmm. and bakes pizza together. Blackboards in neighborhood parks where people write yeah, about their fun. community. Yeah. Tool lending. Groups. Yeah. The, the ideas neat. are endless. Yeah, it's cool. It's um, and that's a great group that motivates me. So we got to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, we're at 40 minutes or so and lots more to talk about. Barely scratch the surface. But what what's next? Do you see uh, trying to build this out more or is it just let's focus on the, the one and a half kilometer radius for the next few years? I have a great board chair. I have a great board chair who said, stop. It's one and a half kilometers. Just stop. <laughs> and uh, if you know what, it's working for us. We're really trying to do better at making sure the support connect contribute is through everything we do job interviews, you know, program plans, you name it, board reports. That's a big focus. Seniors are on the radar, right? Um, anybody who's paying attention to demographics. Uh, we've had some seniors start to come in the door. So we're looking at, we've recently, we're really looking at, you know, just leveraging what we can do. We've just formed a partnership with our local health center. Mm. They're coming in to do nutrition anxiety groups they just contacted me about another program forgot what it is chronic chronic illness so they're going to be late because they don't have the space in their clinic but we right. do right um also really concerned about the number of people in oakville without doctors we just did a hmm. quick unscientific poll 50 percent of our people using our center don't have a doctor wow that's yeah. kind of crazy that's kinda a crazy, crazy stat it is and who else is asking that question just Not very many people, I, I wouldn't think. haven't heard anybody else ask yeah. it. Wow. But I, we have a shortage of doctors in, wow. in Oakville. Wow. So that's a concern, for yeah, you know, sure. especially sure. when we see a lot of our young people who are needing support, uh, some mental health support, and yeah. our younger yeah. kids as well. Um, so I think seniors is the thing. Huge new South Asian population. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been really lucky. We've got about five regular ladies coming in who are... Uh, are helping us with that and and have engaged they've all become volunteers and well i think yeah. you probably agree michelle there's no shortage of goodwill and there's no shortage of opportunity in this kind of a field absolutely seems. yeah well thanks for joining us today and uh we'll maybe we'll do part two in the near future all right thanks for coming to chat